from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, October Halloween extravaganza. All of this month, we will be having a bit of fun with the topics for the podcast, so I hope you enjoy. Special thanks to my patrons who didn't vote for these Halloween episodes, but still support me and my work, and I thank you so much for that. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you can vote on who will be covered next or get early access to the podcasts. Like, share, and subscribe. It might just help our little community grow. So today's podcast will be about the main character from the show, Dexter. Dexter Morgan. It goes without saying that this will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen Dexter and you plan on watching, you might skip this podcast. Perhaps, you know, come back after. It also goes without saying that, again, this is a fictional character. And while there are many mega fans of the show, I did not use the books in this analysis because the books and the TV series kind of veer off away from each other. So I wanted to kind of keep it the general population knowledge of the show. So just relax and enjoy the story. So Dexter Moser was born on February 1st, 1971 in or very near Miami, Florida. His father was Joe Driscoll, though that could be an alias, as later Dexter was unable to find any information on him from young adulthood back. A doctor would later tell Dexter that Joe served in the Army during the Vietnam War. When he returned from the war, he was a drug addict and became a criminal. Dexter's mother was Laura Moser, who was a very loving and devoted mother, but she also was into drugs. Though it isn't known for sure how Joe and Laura met, drugs are the most likely connection. Laura was born in June of 1946 in North Carolina, and after high school, she made her way south, down to Florida. While there, she had two children, Brian and then Dexter after. It is not known whether or not Joe Driscoll was Brian's biological father. Now, Dexter called Brian Biney as he was learning to talk because he couldn't pronounce Brian. Dexter's infancy and very early life, by all accounts, was good. His mother and brother doted on him, and Dexter was a happy, small child. Once, when Dexter was trying to learn to skateboard and fell down pretty hard, Brian chuckled lovingly about his wipeout and hugged his baby brother, 
By all accounts, again, Brian loved little Dexter a lot and often hugged him. He was very protective of his baby brother. However, as these things typically go, and with his mother also being a drug addict, she eventually got busted. This is when Laura met with a detective named Harry Morgan and was offered to be an informant for him. We can all assume that, under threat of having her children taken away, she agreed. She took young Dexter with her for the interview, and this is when Harry met Dexter. Now, Laura was terrified at the prospect of working with the cops and spoke about how being an informant was far too dangerous for her children's lives, but Detective Morgan assured her that, you know, all would be fine. And then the two began an affair, though Harry was married, and Laura could have still been in a relationship with Joe. That is left kind of uncertain. On October 3rd, 1973, Laura's worst fears came true. The drug cartel she had been working with discovered that she was an informant. They forced her, both five-year-old Brian and two-year-old Dexter, and three other adults into a metal shipping crate, then proceeded to murder the three other adults first with a chainsaw. Little Dexter and Brian were forced to watch as people were being dismembered horrifically. Once Laura knew it was her turn, she gave Dexter a final smile, told him to close his eyes, and that she loved him. She was then killed. Both of her sons were forced to hear and watch their mother's horrific screams and murder. The boys were both actually abandoned, left sitting in a pool of blood, meat, and bone in the shipping crate for two days before they were discovered by Detective Morgan. Once the doors were opened, Harry was horrified by what he saw, and he instinctively picked the toddler up, leaving Brian reaching, screaming for his baby brother to not leave him. The detective ordered another officer to go and get Brian as he protectively held Dexter, who was so traumatized he completely blocked the experience out of his mind. For whatever reason, which is wholly unclear, but heavily implied that Harry thought that Brian was going to be too far screwed up to take care of, Brian and Dexter were indeed separated. Brian screaming for his baby brother to not leave him, and Brian was then taken to a mental health facility to be observed as he was older when the massacre happened. Dexter's father, who heard about the massacre, fled Miami and moved to Dade City, effectively abandoning his son and Brian, though again, we aren't clear if Joe was Brian's biological father. Dexter was then adopted by Detective Harry Morgan and his wife, Doris. Harry and Doris had a daughter, Deborah, who was a bit younger than Dexter. And Deborah adored her big brother, wanting to emulate him so badly, developing into a bit of a tomboy in an effort to win his approval. Later, Dexter had an accident while trying to climb a fence to retrieve his sister's ball, was injured pretty bad, and had to go to the hospital. He was losing a lot of blood, and as it turned out, his type was rare, AB negative. In order to save Dexter's young life, Harry was forced to track down Joe Drixel for a blood donation, which he agreed to, and Dexter's life was thankfully saved. 
So Dexter began to show signs of trouble around 11 years old or so when his father, Harry, discovered Dexter had buried some animals alive, including the neighbor's dog. Harry, being a seasoned officer of the law, began to recognize some signs of disturbance and asked Dexter if he felt, quote, different than other people or kids. Dexter explained that, you know, the dog was annoying, keeping his sick mother awake. Harry asked him if he ever felt like killing something larger, such as a human, and Dexter agreed, but said he didn't because he didn't want to disappoint his parents. With regards to the explanation as to why Dexter had been adopted, Harry told Dexter, and obviously Deborah was listening, that Dexter's biological parents had died in a tragic accident, and that was that. From then on, during Dexter's younger years, Harry spent most of his time training a nearly emotionless Dexter how to blend in with society. One way was to explain to him that something as simple as smiling in a photo was vitally important in order to look normal, as Dexter didn't naturally fall into these behaviors that we all instinctively do, well, most. So to further help Dexter have an outlet for his serial killing urges, his father often took him on father-son hunting trips to begin instilling a code of sorts into his son, anticipating that the day would come where Dexter would move to killing humans. The rules encompassing Harry's code included 1. Don't get caught. 2. Never kill an innocent. 3. Targets must only be killers who have evaded justice. 4. Killing must serve a purpose, else it's just murder. 5. Blend in socially, maintain appearances. 6. Fake emotions and normality. 7. Control urge to kill and channel it. 8. Be prepared, leave no evidence. 9. Stay calm and collected. And 10, don't make it personal. It clouds judgment. Harry taught Dexter police tactics and how evidence is collected, all of the things Dexter would need to evade capture. Deborah became understandably jealous of the time that Dexter and her father spent together to the point where she yelled at Dexter saying, quote, Sometimes I almost wish he had never brought you home. But she felt horrible after saying so, and she did apologize. Dexter's adoptive mother died when he was 16 years old from cancer. She had always suspected Dexter was, you know, different, not knowing Harry had been training the boy, of course, and urged him to take Dexter to be evaluated by a psychiatrist. This psychiatrist had her own motives and things going on behind the scenes, which did not help Dexter either. But it was also around this time that Dexter realized he was not interested in girls or sex, so Harry taught him how to at least act normal around women. Dexter graduated high school in 1991. He became quite proficient in jiu-jitsu while in college and was even at the top of his class in medical school, but decided to be a forensic blood spatter analyst instead, because blood, you see, was a source of utter fascination to him, considering he had no memory of the bathing in blood he received for two days in that shipping container. It's almost like he was reborn from Dexter Moser to Dexter Morgan in that shipping container, just to give you an idea. 
So this is where we will stop and analyze Dexter's childhood, remembering that he is a fictional character. But children witnessing a parent being murdered does happen. According to the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information, quote, Children who witness parental homicides are emotionally traumatized, stigmatized, and deeply scarred by the terrifying event. They often exhibit debilitating symptoms comparable to those of post-traumatic stress disorder. Child witnesses inadvertently become the neglected victims. End quote. We know that Dexter had no memory of his mother's murder or even having an older brother, Brian. Shutting down any kind of memories of that traumatic event isn't out of the ordinary, but something within him knew he was different. He wasn't able to really tune into the normal human emotional spectrum as his adoptive family could. The stress associated with experiencing or witnessing physical trauma can cause abrupt and marked alterations in mental state, including anxiety and transient dissociative symptoms. Intense manifestations of this pattern of response to trauma are described in a new diagnostic category, acute stress disorder. Severe dissociative symptoms may predict subsequent post-traumatic stress disorder. Persons who experience a series of traumatic events may be especially vulnerable to a variety of dissociative states, including amnesia, fugue, depersonalization, and multiple personality disorder. So Dexter not remembering jives. Antisocial behaviors in children and adolescents can be characterized by symptoms such as being verbally and physically harmful to other people, violating social expectations, engaging in behaviors such as delinquency, vandalism, theft, and truancy, or having disturbed interpersonal relationships, and so on. But Dexter didn't really display any of these other than physically harming animals and not wanting to fake showing happiness in a family photo. In one instance, Harry did have to stop Dexter from harming a bully as well as understanding that being a bully was also not okay. I think we were expected to believe that, under Harry's close mentorship, Dexter avoided many of these other behaviors we would have otherwise seen. I'm not buying it, but we'll get into that at the end. And we have to make some assumptions because we just don't know much about his biological parents. His father was a Vietnam vet, and the trauma from that cannot be understated, and he had also been to prison. He also struggled with drug abuse, and we all know the root of addiction is mental health. I think we would have a solid foundation for the argument that his father might have had something going on that, you know, could have left a genetic marker, so to speak. We don't know if Dexter's mother had anything going on, but we could go out on a limb and assume what with her leaving home and moving down to Florida so young that perhaps she was fleeing a negative situation. And again, she too struggled with drug abuse, so take what you will from that. Did she use while she was pregnant? We can't say, but we know many women who are addicts are unable to stop using. I don't want to say that she was using while she was pregnant. We can't take it off the table. 
but I believe the show does a pretty decent job of showing that a child's environment plays a very big role in how some of these children who experience severe trauma or possibly are born with mental abnormalities can still learn to blend and grow up to be relatively mentally healthy. For Dexter, that is a wholly loaded statement, but you kind of see where I'm going, right? So let's get back into the story. When Dexter was 21, his beloved father, Harry, was dying from coronary artery disease. And while in the hospital, Harry noticed a nurse who was killing particularly ill patients with an overdose of morphine, and she was doing the same to him. Harry urged Dexter to kill her because killing her would save lives. So Dexter gained entry into the nurse's home, covered every single surface in her living room and dining room with sheets of plastic, and made sure his very first kill room would leave zero trace of evidence. He then subdued the nurse, stripped her naked, strapped her to her own dining room table with cling wrap, and looked through her, quote, trophy photo album that she kept of her victims. When she came to, Dexter gave her a chance to speak, to which she said she helped her victims by taking their pain away. Dexter replied that he was going to take hers now and stabbed her repeatedly. This was his first official victim, and the scene was messy. His signature trophy-taking, which we will discuss later, did not actually start with this first victim. Another one of Dexter's early victims was a pimp who had murdered Harry's partner as well as a prostitute. Juan was arrested, but was let off due to a faulty warrant, which enraged Harry. He told Dexter that he was right in training him. However, when Harry accidentally walked in on Dexter while he was dismembering this pimp, Harry became physically ill. Three days later, Harry committed suicide, although Dexter thought he died of heart disease until many years later. So at some point, Dexter was working for the Miami Police Department as a blood spatter analyst, being summoned to crime scenes to help investigators determine the course of events. His sister, Deborah, also worked there as a police officer. Now, she wanted to be promoted to detective and often asked Big Brother Dexter for advice. He had a close relationship with his sister and even stated, while he feels no real emotions, he was, quote, fond of her. And it is obvious that Deborah loved Dexter very, very much. He began seeing a woman named Rita, who had just gotten out of a violently abusive relationship, being a single mother with two kids. And because of the abuse that she endured, she would shrink away from physical touch, which was fine with him as, again, sex wasn't really a high priority for him. But she provided the means for him to blend in with having someone to date, and he clearly found her at least attractive. She had two children, as I said, that Dexter actually enjoyed as well. Dexter was, by this point, killing criminals who had escaped justice that also fit into Harry's code fairly regularly. But again, he was able to successfully be a part of society, and all of his co-workers saw him as a harmless lab nerd. Only one man, Sergeant James Dokes, suspected, or at least had a gut instinct, that there was something more, and perhaps sinister, about Dexter. One day, a dismembered female body was found. There was not one speck of blood, and he became fascinated by this. 
And as Dexter and the rest of the team of investigators began to try to track down the killer who bled his victims dry before dismembering them, he found another victim for himself, a therapist. As Dexter met with his intended target, who was talking women into committing suicide, he himself began to have flashes in his mind of a little boy in a box sitting in a pool of blood. He eventually realized the little boy was himself, and the therapist received the same fate as his other victims. Tranquilizer, being strapped down with cling film to a table in a room covered in sheets of plastic. Dexter had begun to keep trophies from his kills prior to this one. He collected blood droplets that he put onto glass slides that he kept in a box hidden within the air conditioner in his apartment. He cut the therapist's cheek, got the drop of blood for his collection, then killed him. Dexter then dismembered the body, putting it into a number of trash bags. He then went out on his boat, out into the sea, and threw the bags overboard. So Deborah herself got a promotion and began working closely on the ice truck killer case with her brother and others. This is the killer that was bleeding the victims dry. At the same time, she began dating a man named Rudy, who worked in a hospital making prosthetics for amputee patients. The investigators had finally found a victim alive. Dexter had also begun to find clues that the serial killer had been in his apartment and had left clues there, such as a dismembered Barbie doll, in his freezer. So working another crime scene, Dexter walked into a motel room, saw that it was completely flooded with blood, and began to have a panic attack. That eventually led to him putting puzzle pieces together and realizing that he had witnessed his biological mother's brutal murder and that he had a biological brother. Now Deborah and Rudy's relationship was intense, and he quickly proposed to her. After proposing, he drugged her, kidnapped her, and got her prepared the way Dexter killed his victims. Dexter realized Deborah was missing and pretty quickly found her. Rudy then explained that he was, in fact, Brian, Dexter's older brother, and that he had been left in a mental institution his whole childhood. Brian suggested that they kill Deborah together. Dexter chose Deborah, and Brian fled. Dexter, of course, found Brian easily, prepared him to be murdered, but he did cry as he killed him. And Dexter was troubled after learning that not only did he have a biological brother, but that it turned out Brian had been the ice truck killer. However, a co-worker and detective, Sergeant Dokes, got it in his head that Dexter somehow had a connection to the ice truck killer. Between that and his sister moving in with him, he had to refrain from killing. And then, just when things began to calm down, 30 dismembered bodies were found in the Miami Harbor, and the suspected serial killer was coined the Bay Harbor Butcher, which, of course, was Dexter. And at the same time, Dexter found his confidence to again kill. Sergeant Dokes followed Dexter closely until he caught him dismembering a body, Dexter took him hostage while he decided how to frame Dokes as the butcher. Though he was still dating Rita, Dexter had been having a fling with another woman and became so obsessed with him, she found where Dexter was holding Dokes and blew the place up. 
Inside, the investigators found the charred remains of Dokes along with evidence pointing to him being the butcher, and Dexter was in the clear. And then not long after, wouldn't you know, he found out that he and Rita were going to have a baby. And he was admittedly scared at first, but everyone around him ensured him he would be a great father. And so Dexter's life was beginning to get back on track, and he quickly went back to killing people who fit Harry's code, except for two. One was a pedophile who was after Rita's daughter, and an old family friend who was dying from cancer so that she didn't have to suffer any longer. So Dexter and Rita got married, and she gave birth to their son, Harrison. However, domestic life cut into his, quote, dark passenger, his need to kill. He began tracking down the Trinity Killer, and what he found was a man who was abusive and violent to his family, so Dexter killed him with a hammer. When he returned home, he found that the Trinity Killer had killed Rita as his last victim. She was dead in the bathtub, and Dexter's son was sitting in a pool of his mother's blood, just as Dexter had been found at around that age. Dexter felt incredibly guilty and began to shut down. Rita's older children went to live with their grandmother, leaving Dexter as a single parent. But he eventually regained his confidence back again. He hired a nanny to help with Harrison and went back to hunting down people who had escaped justice, murderers, rapists, and another serial killer. Only as he was in one of his infamous kill rooms, his sister Deborah walked in and saw him murder one of his victims. Dexter explained that the victim had ambushed him and therefore forced to kill him. Deborah bought it and helped him burn the building down to destroy evidence. But Deborah couldn't stop thinking about seeing Dexter murder and eventually found his trophies of blood slides and his knives. She asked him if he was a serial killer, and he confessed to her that he was. Now Deborah, who loved her brother and began connecting the dots, decided to move back in with him and make sure he never killed again. She struggled to understand why Dexter killed the people he did, but as it did with us, the Watchers, she could understand why he chose the victims he did, so she told him that he could continue to kill the dregs of society as long as he didn't interfere with their mutual employer, the Miami Metro Police. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And just as Dexter got back into his old ways, his boss, Detective LaGuerta, reopened the Bay Harbor Butcher case. She was not satisfied that one of her fellow detectives and close friends, Dokes, had been the murderer. LaGuerta was a cunning detective and quickly had Dexter arrested as the butcher, but he was quickly released as he had tampered with evidence. At this point, he knew he'd have to kill his boss, but he also knew that would be going against Harry's code. Just as he was about to murder her, Deborah again burst in, pointing her gun at him. LaGuerta ordered Deborah to kill Dexter, but she fatally shot LaGuerta instead. 
He knew this chain of events would lead to his end. Deborah sank into a deep depression and quit her job. She also told Dexter that she wished she had shot him instead. Deborah asked Dexter to take a drive with her, then drove her car into the bay, thinking that they would both die, and yet they both survived. Now, Dexter had been dating a woman named Hannah, and they planned to flee to Argentina together. He sent her and his son Harrison ahead, but his flight was delayed due to a hurricane. At that moment, he received news that Deborah had been shot, and he rushed to the hospital, but she then suffered a stroke that had left her a vegetable. Dexter was devastated, and he knew it was time to stop. His beloved best friend and sister Deborah was dying. He felt that he ruined everything he touched. He knew his son would be safe with Hannah in Argentina. He knew that very soon the world would know that he was, in fact, a serial killer who had murdered hundreds of, quote, evildoers. He went to the hospital where Deborah was on life support. He turned it off and took her to the bay in his boat and gave her a burial by sea. He proceeded to then fake his own death by wrecking his boat. He then left and moved north, far north. He grew a beard, and the end of that particular series, we were led to believe that perhaps he was working in the lumber industry. But he had assumed an entirely new identity under the name Jim Lindsay, living in Iron Lake in upstate New York. Ten years after he fled Florida, he had settled into his new life working at a local game and wildlife shop and was even dating the chief of police, a woman named Angela. Life was good, and his urge to kill had been successfully squashed. He did replace his sort of force ghost father, is the best way to describe it, therapy sessions from the early years. He replaced those with Deborah, and he envisioned her sitting and talking with him from time to time, but he was, for the most part, content. At his job, he ran background checks on people who wanted to buy guns for hunting, and a man by the name of Matt came to purchase a gun. It is obvious that Matt is a real douchebag, and predictably, his background check stated that he was to wait before selling the gun to him, and Matt was irritated, but he did relent. It does come to light that Matt was the central cause for a boat accident that killed five people, and it does not seem that he is the least bit sorry about it. And this really weighed heavy on Dexter because Matt fit nicely into Harry's code. So Dexter went out into the snow to hunt, and he saw this pure white, like albino buck, just beautiful, and he didn't want to shoot it. But as he was kneeling down in front of the deer, Matt showed up and belligerently, because I made up that word, shot the deer dead with Dexter all of one foot away. That was the last straw. Dexter took his rifle and hit Matt in the head with it, knocking him unconscious. He then created the kill room that he was so famous for, and he murdered Matt. I mean, Dexter was back, baby. But then Harrison, Dexter's now teenage son, was able to track Dexter down, and it was quite evident that he resented his father for faking his own death and abandoning him. This is when we find out that Harrison did have a pretty good childhood with Hannah in Argentina, but she had died from cancer. Thus, Harrison was sent back to the States to live in foster homes, and that part of his life was not so good. 
But this is when we learned that Dexter had written a letter to Hannah explaining what he had done, faked his death, that he was still alive, just in case, and that's how Harrison had tracked him down. Now, this business with Matt caused a bit of a stir, and the authorities began searching in the woods, an area near Dexter's house, so he planted Matt's winter glove near the highway to be found so that it would look like Matt left town, and this plan was beginning to work until Matt's father, who held influence in the community, began to raise a stink, as they say. Some wildlife camera footage showed that there was another person around the crime scene, which led to them finding signs of a struggle, and Dexter was forced to get busy trying to steer the investigation away from him. Then entered a true crime podcaster, and side note, let's pause to appreciate the irony considering what I'm doing uh, right now. And this podcaster was determined to get involved. Then Matt's father called off the search, stating he received a call from Matt, stating he had killed the deer and fled the area. Dexter obviously knew that this was a lie. And then there was that trouble with Harrison. After Dexter explained to his girlfriend about his secret son, Harrison began to settle into the community and began going to school. He saw the quiet kid being bullied by the athletes, you know, surprise, surprise, and he stood up for the quiet kid. But then the quiet kid tried to get Harrison to join him on a school shooting plan that he was going to carry out, and Harrison stopped him, though he got stabbed in the process, or at least that was the story he told. He became the reluctant school hero, only Dexter knew something was off. He drew from his well of knowledge about blood spatter, and he analyzed the crime scene, and he realized that Harrison had stabbed the kid first, then stabbed himself to create a cover story. This is when Dexter realized that his own son had his own dark passenger. Then Harrison went to a party. He took some random pills, and he nearly died. And when Dexter found out that overdoses had actually been a problem lately, he tracked down the dealer to kill him in his favored fashion. But the cops in this town seemed to be better at their jobs than the ones in Miami, and they nearly caught him. So Dex made a quick decision to make it look like the dealer overdosed on his own drugs. The podcaster and Angela decided to try to find out if the person that called Matt's father was really Matt and soon realized that it wasn't Matt. But, interesting twist, they went to a law enforcement convention of sorts and this is when Angela met Batista, who was nearly best friends forever with Dexter back in the day. Batista brought up his old friend Dexter who died in the hurricane and that he had had a son named Harrison. Now, Angela, who had a teenage daughter, was friends with Harrison at school, and she told her mother that while Harrison was all drugged up, he mentioned that his father's name that he was using in New York was not his real name. So long story short, Angela found a news article showing Dexter's photo saying he had died in the hurricane, and she confronted Dexter. So he told Angela that his sister and his wife had been murdered, and he disappeared like that to get a fresh start. Angela was not totally convinced that this was the whole truth. But during all of this, it came out that Matt's father is also a serial killer 
who killed young female runaways, and after some work, Angela used Dexter's skills to be able to prove that he was a serial killer, and he was arrested. Unfortunately, there simply wasn't enough evidence to hold him, and he was set free. At this point, Matt's father figured out that Dexter was the one that killed Matt. Matt's father also noticed that Harrison and Dexter had a strained relationship, so he decided to befriend young Harrison. This was, of course, a ploy for Matt's father to kill Harrison as a sort of revenge, but Dexter came and saved Harrison in the nick of time, as these shows go. This caused father and son to bond again, and Dexter came clean with his past, telling Harrison that he is a serial killer of bad people, and Harrison told his father that he is a good guy then, and together they killed Matt's father, dismembered him, and tossed the remains into a fiery furnace. Now, Angela started digging into things, and long story short, she discovered information about the Bay Harbor Butcher, listening to the episode that the podcaster did on that case. She noted that the Bay Harbor Butcher used needles to inject drugs into his victims' necks, and she saw that the drug dealer that Dexter had killed also had that needle mark, and she began to put the puzzle pieces together. She got a hold of Batista, who still had the whole file nearly proving Dexter as the Bay Harbor Butcher, and when Batista saw a photo of Dexter and Angela together, he was, admittedly and understandably, absolutely stunned. Angela then arrested Dexter, and it would seem that he wasn't going to be able to talk his way out of this. So he distracted Angela with the fact that Matt's father was also a serial killer, and before Dexter and Harrison killed him, he had managed to kill the podcaster, the serial killer other than Dexter, killed the podcaster, and side note, please don't try to kill me. I own weapons, scary weapons, I have trained dogs, it wouldn't end well for you. With that aside, Angela found a sort of hallway full of display cases with all of that man's victims. So Dexter killed a good cop to get away and ran to tell Harrison that they had to leave. Now. Harrison asked his father if he killed the good cop, and Dexter said yes, but that his hand was forced because rule number one of the code is don't get caught. But Harrison didn't accept that, and he told his father that he had to turn himself in. Dexter refused, and he told Harrison that he wanted him to kill him. And after a short, emotional moment, well, Harrison did just that. He shot Dexter, and then we see Dexter lying in the snow, the blood circle beneath him slowly growing bigger. Angela came up on the scene, saw what had happened, and gave Harrison some money and told him to leave the area, and he does, just as the infamous Bay Harbor butcher has been identified as surviving the hurricane and was in that town. And that was the end of the entire TV series. So it was a broad overview. I understand there's more details. But again, let's take a final look at Dexter as a character. And I took quite a long time to do this one because I wanted to make sure that it was as true to me as I understood Dexter as a character and a person as I could possibly make it. So Dexter is an anti-hero and a great one at that, right? He is definitely a most beloved character of so many people, and this holds true for me as well. He is the killer of very bad people. 
He has the personal constitution, if you will, to remove the, you know, vermin that general society can't. He very much symbolizes that need within each one of us for a bit of vigilante justice, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that we cannot deny we crave at times. But what kinds of issues was he dealing with? What would we potentially diagnose him with? It is important to state the obvious that, again, he is just a character from a book that was made into a TV series. And again, as I said in the beginning, there are additional books, but they go in a different direction. So I just stuck with the TV series for this analysis. And thus, we automatically know that he isn't going to fit neatly under any specific categories because he is fictional. But with that out of the way, the obvious diagnosis that most would give him would be antisocial personality disorder with psychopathic traits. These traits in the real world include, and we already know this, but superficial charm, impulsivity, compulsive lying, callous and unemotional, disinhibition, grandiosity, lack of empathy, narcissism, lack of guilt, you know, all the things. And while Dexter does display some of these behaviors, he does not display enough to firmly diagnose him with antisocial personality disorder because he does show a level of empathy. He isn't as callous as one might believe. And as far as the grandiosity portion, I myself don't think he was really grandiose, perhaps slightly. But again, I don't know that I would really give him that label either. He also displayed some level of guilt at times, and he obviously does genuinely care for a scarce few people, mostly his sister Deborah. Another source that I listened to was the YouTube channel The Vile Eye, who did an analysis of Dexter as well. And by the way, I highly recommend The Vile Eye. He is a super nice, cool guy, and his content, amazing. So shout out to The Vile Eye. But... He did do an analysis of Dexter as well, and he listed other possible diagnoses. PTSD suppression, schizophrenia, schizotypal personality disorder, alexithymia, and autism. And he had a pretty good argument for these labels. Now, looking at suppressed PTSD, as we all know, emotions have to be processed eventually. And if they are not, they will come out in unhealthy ways. They are never actually completely gone when they are suppressed. Suppressing emotions can increase the risk of depression, anxiety, and other mental health problems, and we know Dexter seemed to suffer with these. The research studies make logical sense. The more you suppress emotions, the higher the toll on your mental health. I would agree that Dexter was dealing with suppressed PTSD. I wouldn't argue with that at all. As far as schizophrenia, I personally don't believe he suffered with this. A lot of sources would dance around this particular diagnosis, stating that he had hallucinations about interacting with Harry and later Deborah, but I didn't interpret these as full-on hallucinations. Personally, I contributed it to him having to weigh his options and feelings about things, and Harry was representative of his conscience. I mean, I watched the show. So to me, it was more of an internal monologue that most of us have when confronted with stressful situations. The voice of reason in your head, and the show had to display this somehow, and the easiest way was to show Harry physically there. While watching the show, I never got the impression that he was schizophrenic. 
For schizotypal personality disorder, we see symptoms displayed as being a loner and lacking close friends outside of the immediate family. People with this disorder show flat emotions or limited or inappropriate emotional responses, persistent and excessive social anxiety, incorrect interpretation of events such as feeling that something that is actually harmless or inoffensive has a direct personal meaning, peculiar, eccentric, or unusual thinking, beliefs, or mannerisms, suspicious or paranoid thoughts, and constant doubts about the loyalty of others, belief in special powers such as mental telepathy or superstitions, unusual perceptions such as sensing an absent person's presence or having illusions, dressing in peculiar ways such as appearing unkempt or wearing oddly matched clothes, and or peculiar style of speech such as vague or unusual patterns of speaking or rambling oddly during conversations. Now, schizotypal is the idea of that is actually very intriguing. Dexter did in fact show limited or inappropriate emotional responses, but I wouldn't necessarily say a lot of social anxiety, more just generally not crazy about being out and around with others. The difference I'm seeing is the anxiety portion of it. Taking things that were meant in a harmless way and misinterpreting them isn't something that I would say Dexter suffered with either. Did he have eccentric or unusual thinking? Perhaps unusual, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that it was eccentric, and I don't think he ever doubted the loyalty of others. He did not believe he had special powers or have odd superstitions, but I might agree that he did at least sense the absence of a person's presence, meaning Harry, after he was dead. He was never unkempt, and in fact, he was rather meticulous about his appearance. His speech was not peculiar, and he didn't ramble, so I really can't go with schizotypal personality disorder. But it is an intriguing thought. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So alexithymia, according to Healthline.com, is a broad term for people who have problems with feeling emotions. Difficulty identifying and describing emotions or having limited imagination and creativity, they have a tendency to focus on external events rather than internal experiences. They have a preference for routine and structure and have difficulty forming and maintaining close relationships. Now, this one. This one holds some weight, in my own opinion. I believe Dexter did struggle with this to a degree, and studies show that roughly 1 in 10 people suffer with this to some degree. So I might leave this one on the table. And then finally, autism. Now, alexithymia and autism do have some overlap, actually. People on the autism spectrum experience a whole host of things that would take forever to explain here in this podcast, but I really don't think he neatly fits on the spectrum per se. So long story short, I'm not convinced autism is really playing a role here. So I caved. 
and I never really ever rarely rarely ever do this but I caved and I consulted with a close friend of mine who was a clinician shout out to doc and he and I agreed that the most likely scenario we are dealing with here is a pro-social psychopath that while he did get adopted into a healthy family and raised in a very positive environment Harry unfortunately trained and really, I'd say fully conditioned Dexter to give into his impulses that otherwise might not have fully manifested. And then to keep those very impulses, Harry instructed Dexter to give into under control using his 10 point code. I personally feel that if Harry had not done that, had not shown Dexter how to get away with murder, how the police and investigators were crime scenes and how to escape the pitfalls many murderers fall into, and had just been a supportive father who worked with Dexter on behavior modification and redirection and all of that, Dexter might have gone on to have a relatively peaceful, murder-free life. Perhaps Dexter wouldn't have struggled so terribly with having any real close relationships if his father hadn't constantly told him that he was going to grow up to be a murderer and he had to hide that. Harry turned a very traumatized child with suppressed PTSD into a killing machine and told him he still had to blend in with society. Now, Brian, his older brother, his older biological brother, being a psychopathic serial killer kind of matches, it kind of jives with what we know about them. But Dexter was much younger and he had no memory of the incident and could have possibly been steered in a better direction. Harry, along with the therapist that Harry used to help Dexter, who herself sort of used Dexter as a tool, I feel are to blame. I always felt, and even after my analysis, I still feel that Harry, for the most part, played a very integral part in Dexter becoming the serial killer that he was. But tell me, guys, what do you think? I would love to know your theories and opinions on what was going on with Dexter. So go ahead, DM me on Instagram, or you can join the Serial Killing a Podcast fan page on Facebook that a listener so lovingly created for me, which I wholly appreciate. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Outside of that, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first podcast of our October Halloween extravaganza. I love Dexter. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, guys, for listening, because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you keep choosing me, and that blows my mind, but I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so, so much, and have a great day. Anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer, and whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time, and then uh, in the early 80s, they came up with this differentiation called serial killing.